Mark 2, 13 through 17. I'll read that in a second. In every language, there are cultural idioms that are not completely understandable to the person who is not fluent in that language. In our country, we have so many that are commonplace, we don't even realize sometimes that we're saying them until someone asks us what they mean. We say a calm person is cool as a cucumber. When someone needs to slow down, we say, hold your horses. When something is easy, we call it a piece of cake. And when people are eavesdropping on us, we say the walls have ears. Someone in the last service came through the line and he said that he worked with someone who was from a different country and they were in a whole room and she was instructing a whole bunch of people and they were having a hard time getting it. And she goes, listen, people, this is a piece of chicken. (laughs) No, 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 I meant a piece of cake. Some of these expressions are more than descriptive. They convey values and proverbial wisdom handed down through generations. We think about our parents or adults that were influential to us. We may have picked up some sayings that they used to say. Actions speak louder than words. You can't judge a book by its cover. Don't count your chickens before they're hatched. Words matter, so it's interesting, no matter what language we speak, to remember that some of the phrases might not be clear to others when we say them. One of the warnings my dad used to give was, don't get boxed in a corner. Now, when I was growing up, I used to picture a room of cardboard boxes all around me, piled up so that I couldn't get free. Or I was inside of a box, not able to get out. Honestly, I had no idea what it meant. Nor did I question this thing that he always used to say. But, of course, this particular idiom has to do with the sport of boxing because the fighters compete in a four-cornered square that we call a ring, and the most dangerous place to be is in the corner. If someone gets trapped there, they're unable to move to the right or the left, and their opponent can then keep up their assault until opportunity comes to escape, which could be tricky and maybe dangerous. Of course, it's closely related to another saying about painting oneself in a corner. Here someone is trapped in a situation where there's no way out. Remember, if you ever paint a floor, start in the corner and paint your way out of the door. In our reading this morning, what kept coming to mind was this notion of being stuck in one place without a way to get out. In the calling of Levi and in the awkward interaction with the scribes, we get the, ish, we get the sense that both of them are boxed in. Now, we can relate to this. We know what it feels like to be boxed in because of life experiences, decisions, beliefs, adversaries, motivations, addictions, grief, family pressures, the sin of others in our lives can contribute to us sometimes feeling like we have no way out. It may be that we don't even realize that we're in a corner until it's pointed out to us. In this scene, Jesus comes along and offers a different way to live, both to Levi and to the scribes. So we want to look at what is happening and what they chose, and then we want to think about where we are and what God is offering us. So hear the word of the Lord from Mark 2, 13 through 17. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd gathered around him, and he taught them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. 
When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would show us, God, what we most need to hear today from you. Amen. First, we're going to look at Levi and then the scribes paying special attention to where they are and in what ways Jesus is inviting them to move to a different place in life. Levi, whom we also know as Matthew, the writer of one of the Gospels, is in a job where he's well-known to the community and quite hated because of it. Those who collected taxes in the Roman Empire had very few friends outside their work colleagues because of the way they conducted business from taking money from everyday people. When Jesus walks past Levi, he's sitting at a tax booth at the crossroads between two territories. At that time, Palestine was divided up and Capernaum was on the way from one province to the other. Both were run by sons of Herod the Great, who ruled when Jesus was born. This was a key trade route, and Levi was stationed there to collect tolls and tariffs and customs. Of course, like many places today, the rules were fluid. And he could choose, we don't know if he did, but he could choose to shake people down mercilessly or he might let them off easy. The business model for a tax collector would be to bid for the business in a certain location. If it were the highest, the Romans would award the contract and then the collector had exclusive right to collect tolls in that location. After paying the agreed amount to the Romans, then they got to keep whatever else they could glean from people going by. There's nothing illegal about this practice, but there, of course, was incentive for those who were greedy to make as much money as possible from those passing through. Their dishonesty came, of course, when they claimed that Rome had changed the rates because it was never clear to the people if that was actually true or if they were just trying to take a little bit more for themselves. Because they lined their pockets with money from their neighbors and because they were seen to be in collusion with Rome— People just couldn't stand them. Not just that, but they were put in the same category as robbers and murderers. That is why the phrase tax collectors and sinners is almost one word. And you read it three times in this short uh, piece that we read today. Now, we understand this. There are professions in our time that have a bad reputation, mostly because there have been bad people that have added to the bad stereotype. Hedge fund managers, lawyers, used car salespeople, politicians, advertisers, journalists, insurance brokers. Fairly or unfairly, these people are renowned in operating in society under the guise of helping others. But many think that they just live for themselves, that they just want to profit off everyone who comes their way. As such, sometimes we find it difficult to trust them. Often they're the subject of jokes and hateful name-calling. Now Levi here, I see, is boxed in his life when Jesus comes his way. He may be very wealthy, but he has an awful reputation, as we see from verse 16. But I'm kind of thinking he has a worse problem. Because if he wants to make a change in his life to start over, where is he going to go? To the friends who are in the same position that he is? To the people in the community 
who think that he's cheating them? To the religious leaders who are lumping him in with all of the sinners? Because of the way that they talk about him, we know they're not going to receive him. They're not going to welcome him or allow him to process through what maybe his job has done to his soul. He's become written off. He's a stereotype who is avoided. And people have stopped seeing him as a person who's capable of change. And then comes Jesus. Now we know that Levi must not be that happy with his situation, because if he were, he would have stayed put when Jesus comes by. It's a big deal to stop being a tax collector. Some of the other disciples who are fishermen or who have other lifestyles, they could go back if the whole discipleship gig doesn't work out. But it would be difficult, if not impossible, to go back to this particular lucrative government job. But Levi gets up and leaves it all. Jesus' invitation, we know, frees him to a whole new context. If his days have been characterized by sitting and waiting for the next customer, taking what he can get from them, then Jesus changes everything. Now he's going to walk everywhere with the Lord. He's going to serve other people. He's going to meet all kinds of people. Levi's life undergoes a radical change. He's no longer boxed in. In this move, Levi goes from being a taker to a giver. No longer focused on what it is that he can get from people, what he can profit from them, he's going to give so others can gain. Jesus teaches his disciples how it is that they love others by telling them, freely you have received, freely you should give. Church, who have we shunned? Reducing them to little more than their actions. The truth is, those people we shut out of our lives matter to God. He's still going to pursue them. He is still going to offer redemption for all that they have done and all that they can be in him. The one place that the church shouldn't be in anyone's life is on the sidelines, making rude comments, writing people off while Jesus is trying to save them. The last time I checked, that's all of us. Sinners need a place to go, and that is what the church is about. We're not a perfect place where only the perfect can come. We're a bedraggled mass of humanity who have found a safe haven, a place where we can come and let go of our guilt and our shame. Sinners can go to the place where Jesus is fully present, where they're invited to know him, and this is one of those places. Now let's look at the Pharisees. They also have a bad reputation that extends all the way to us today, which is unfortunate, because they were people who were sincerely focused on serving God. Literally, Pharisee means separated one, and they are a community within mainstream Judaism that consisted mostly of lay men who were so intent on keeping the Torah pure, who wanted people to understand how to do that. Josephus, the historian, says that Pharisees maintained a simple lifestyle, that they were affectionate and harmonious. How many times have you heard from the pulpit that Pharisees are affectionate and harmonious with their dealings with others, that they were respectful to their elders and influential throughout Israel? They took seriously the command, be holy. God says, because I am holy. 
It was important to them to know what was permissible, what was clean, what was not. It was paramount to them, especially as an occupied nation, to keep God's law in a way that maintained their identity and their order. They believed that they were the ones who were preserving God's presence on earth. So they wanted to prevent the crossing of boundaries that would take people from God. I see them as boxed in. Because they've decided the best way to live, the best way to know God, and they're not deviating from it. So often we see that they're motivated by fear. Then their carefully constructed lives designed to please God. They're very proud. There are probably about 6,000 of them. And every time we see them with Jesus, often they just don't get him. They don't understand. How can you be from God and say these things? How can you be from God and do these things? So when Jesus invites them to think about those who are far away from the Father, they just can't do it. It's hard to know what they're more offended by, that he would ask a tax collector to be one of his followers, or that he would go to Levi's house with a bunch of people just like him. They've so painted themselves into a corner with what they think they must believe about God's people, they can't envision another way. And they're trying then to box Jesus into a corner, that he would conform to their categories of what it means to be a religious person. They just don't allow for God to move, for God to be who he is, or to consider that the Holy Spirit might bring transformation that would be available for everyone. So I want us to think for a second about Jesus' answer to the Pharisees, because it's designed to help them out of the box that they have made, because they're missing the full picture of what it is that he's trying to do. Dr. Bob Gundry tells us that in this time and culture, it was customary for outsiders to stand around observing people having a banquet and to make observations on them. Isn't that interesting? So that's what the scribes are doing here. They're watching this party going on at Levi's house. They're making observations, and they decide to ask the disciples why Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners. Now, the Lord does not allow this triangle of communication, and he takes over and he answers them plainly. And he answers them in the form of a metaphor. He is the great physician who's come to bring healing. Now, when you read this same account in the book of Matthew, who we know as Levi, it is the same except for the middle sentence. Matthew 9, 12 and 13 says this, But when Jesus heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is trying to help them see something vital here. Something that would not only give them a clue as to what he's doing, but also an invitation for them to think outside their box to what's possible to those who want to diligently follow the father. father. It's important that he spend time with sinners. He said, like you would expect to find a doctor among the sick, you should expect to find a savior among the sinners. 
Those who are well, those who think that they're just fine, thank you very much, have no need of a doctor. He's stating the obvious. He's trying to offer freedom to them for how they understand God if they would accept it. But the only person a doctor can help is the one who will accept it, the one who will go to the doctor. But Jesus can do everything for a sinner if they would come to him. I love this quote from Matthew because it's how Levi remembers the situation. That mercy changed his life. Sinners don't need to be looked down upon. They need a God who offers them his his very self. We don't come to Jesus perfect. We come to him in our sin, and he, he makes us whole because he knows us and calls us by name. Some people avoid Jesus like some people avoid the doctor. But he is the one that has the cure. I was thinking there's a great paradox for us as believers as we read this. How is it that we spend time with people who are not followers of Jesus, but still retain our identity in him. You see, this was what was bothering the Pharisees. If I'm seen with people who are sinners, I will look like a sinner. If I spend time with sinners, then maybe I will get infected by their sin. See, the church sometimes operates in ways that aren't very different than the Pharisees. The scribes are kind of like some holier-than-thou people we've met in our lives who treat sinners like second-class citizens. Scripture warns us about how bad it is to spend time with people who have bad morals so we don't fall into sin ourselves. But here is Jesus, not afraid, going right there, right in with those people. How do we figure out the line of wisdom and the line of friendship? of being salt and light people who honor the Lord while not turning off those that he wants to find. I think it's a matter of discernment. I think it's a matter of grace. By showing us how the Pharisees react to Jesus, Mark is reminding us as the church to not allow self-preservation to take over because the church doesn't exist for the righteous. It's for those who need a savior. And Jesus crossed all kinds of boundaries in order to show mercy And so must we. So in this passage, we see how Jesus tries to help both the person who does not know about God's holiness and the person who cares about God's holiness very much. Jesus called Levi because he loved him. Not because it was the correct or the obligatory thing that the father wanted him to do, but he longed for Levi to have a better life by following him. Jesus speaks the truth to the Pharisees because he loves them. And he wants them to have a clearer picture of who he is and where it is that he's working and what it is that he's doing. Jesus helps all of us out of our corners to the lives where we cannot be trapped anymore. So what corner do you find yourself boxed in today? Why are you there? How do you need Jesus to help free you? He's ready to take your hand and guide you out as you follow him. Are there sinners in your life whom you would absolutely not bother to know that you have written off because of how they've acted or what they've done? Who in your life needs the mercy of God? Are there different ways that he is calling us to be his church? So let's pause in prayer and ask the Lord to show us.